This is absolutely one of the greatest passages of Scripture. It's more complicated. It's more complex. It's more controversial than I think anything else in the book of Matthew. Luke has it as well. Mark has some of this. But the, the details, the details, the little things are all in Matthew. Why? Because it's in Matthew that Jesus is the king. In Mark, he's a servant. In Luke, he's a son of man. And in John, he's the son of God. This is dynamic, but it's, it's the details. It's, it's the little things that we look at. You remember well, or you could check it out historically, all the wonder of all of the, the movement mastery, sand the floor, wax on, wax off, paint the fence, mastering movement. We are so concerned in the world that we live in, and especially in the body of Christ. What's next? What's next? What's next? What's next? This is it. This is it. This is it. Relax. Just relax. Why should you relax? Because first of all, you're rapture ready. That catching up. And then we're romantically inclined with someone. We're the bride of Christ. So guess what? When all of this stuff is going on, guess where we are? <laughs> we're on a honeymoon in heaven. We're rejoicing. Read Revelation 4 where we praise Him and worship Him because He's our, He is our Creator. And chapter 5 where we worship and praise Him because He is our Redeemer. And we were there. There's a judgment seat of Christ. We were the wedding supper of the Lamb. We get to do all that. We get to be the bride. My wife always says that that's when women are going to get even because men are going to have to wear high heels for the rest of their lives. And I say men will not do that. I'm just telling you, we will not do I don't know that Jewish brides did or did not have high heels, but I know this. I would not look good in those. I, there's not a lot of things I would look good in, but I, I think those should be reserved for our ladies. I just think that that would be a, a good thing. D.L. Cooper, uh, Doc, said, when the plain sense of Scripture makes common sense, seek no other sense, but take every word at its primary literal meaning, unless the facts of the immediate context clearly indicate otherwise. So this is the Olivet Discourse. These are the last things other than some prayer and some conversation with the disciples about eventually sleep on. The Last Supper. Other than the fact that he would look at Judas and say, what you've come to do, friend, do quickly. Other than looking into the eyes of the chief person there to arrest him and ask, who have you come for? Well, we've come for this guy, Jesus. I am he. If I'm the one you've come for, let these go. Because after this, you look in chapter 26, and it's the whole thing of the illegal trials, of the mocking, of the scorning, of the, of the cross, the Via Della Rosa, going uh, there and giving his life, and, and they're all upset about this, you know, and they're yelling and screaming and everything to people from Jerusalem proper. And Jesus said, no one, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down. <laughs> Had they paid attention, they would know that the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. So this, this is huge stuff in here as we see that, the Mount of Olives, and you see all of those things. Or you see how people during the 
And he sat at the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be? And what will be the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? Tribulation, salvation, how are they going to do that? They're going to do that through the witnesses. They're going to do that, the two witnesses. They're going to do 144,000 Jewish witnesses. There's an angel of the everlasting gospel. There is, Joel 2, not only at Pentecost, but in this time, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God. And people are going to get saved during the tribulation, but it will cost them their lives. It will cost them their freedom. It will cost them their jobs. You know the scriptures. They say that we'll not be able to buy or sell. What are you going to do if you can't do that? Talk about needing some help. So as we look at this final week of our entrusted series, we've looked at the greatest among you, self-righteous, judgmental, hypocritical. That's what the world thinks of the church. We, we better be sure of the love of Christ in us and pouring that out. Our lamps are going out. I listen to these. Um, how are we going to wait? It's important that we gather together and wait well. To wait well. I'm not good at that. I, I, I just, it drives me nuts that, that tribulation works patience. So I never pray for patience because I got enough on my plate now. And so we begin to understand these things. And so the, we, we, we understand the, the challenges of, of all of this. In His Steps is a best-known religious fiction novel by Charles Monroe Sheldon. It was first published in 1896. The book has sold more than 50 million copies and ranks as one of the bestsellers. The, the full title of the book is In His Steps, what would Jesus do? 1990, we had what would Jesus do bracelets. WWJD, I can remember preaching a message in Grand Blank, do what Jesus would do. And I remember Lori got me a, a shirt for that, a T-shirt. I still have that. And, and people go, you get the letters mixed up. I said, no, actually we don't. We understand that. In 2012, Matthew West wrote, do something. There is now in 2015, there's a do something.org. <laughs> so I, I, just, I just think that we have gotten it from generation to generation. Jesus preached do something. The prophets preached do something. Job, the oldest book in the, in the scriptures, it, it, it's not said chronologically. What did Job want his friends to do? He didn't need counsel because he told them, you guys are bad at this. But what did he say to the youngest? Ah. Job said, I know that my Redeemer lives, and I will see him in that day. So we wait well together, but we wait differently than other people. We're not, oh, what about this going on over here? This going on over here? This going on over here? Okay. Well, do you think this country and this country? I said, watch Israel. Watch that nation. Oh, but they're doing this and they're doing this. Let me tell you something. We sang about it this morning. God's got this. God has got this. This is his firstborn. We're the church. We're the secondborn. There's a difference. That is Israel. That's a nation. Repeat after me. We are the bride. We are the bride. 
So we, we, get, we get to sing in heaven, my boyfriend's back, and you're, and you're in trouble. Because Jesus came the first time as a child, as a helpless little babe. He come in the second time, and we're going to be with him? He's riding a white horse. In Revelation 6, the one on the right horse is Satan. But in Revelation 19, oh, the God that we sang about, the God that we worship, the God that we read about in the Word of God, that's the God. And we come back, he's going to have his bride, he's going to have his angels, we're going to be there. So all of this really gets exciting uh, to do that. So the battle is the Lord's, and he has entrusted us with everyone. Everyone. We, we are entrusted. He's, he's given us. We, we are responsible to each other and for each other. But he also had this little thing that he said to us to go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all things. So we're accountable to everyone and for everyone from him. From him, the challenge is there. So as we, as we look at all of, of these different things, now as he sat there, what, what is it going to be? Okay, when will these be? What will be the sign of your coming? And what will be the sign of the end of the age? So now, this is a closed meeting. Probably at the Olivet Discord, probably fewer than 120 there to listen to God. I, I remind myself of that sometimes when things aren't going perfectly, when it's not. 120 people show up to listen to God. I mean, I, I should have thought that that would be a hot ticket. I would have thought if we can get 116,000 at the big house, thank you, Lord, um, I would think that there would be more than that to listen to God and to hang on his because these are it for what he's saying. These are some of the last things that he's going to say. And he tells a story about a group that the church sometimes forgets about. And that's his firstborn. That's his. That, 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 those, that's the apple of his eye. And so as we look at these things, this is the final week of our entrusted series, but the battle is the Lord's and he's entrusted us with everyone. I, I, I just think that that as we look at this text, thinking and believing align with God's word. Okay? God's word. Not what my political pundits think. Not what my ideologies think. Because they're all in, in their own right. They're, they're there. Stabilizes God's children and today in the darkest, desperate, and most despicable times for ourselves and others. Aligning our thinking with the Word of God stabilizes us. Let me tell you something. I'm not looking, the old preachers used to say, I'm not looking for the undertaker, I'm looking for the upper taker. I am rapture ready. I am romance ready. I am return ready. I, I am judgment ready because I know this. None of us, you know Christ, your sins were already judged on the cross. You're going, oh, what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? I go there. You know, and we teach our children and our grandchildren that, 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 great, that great prayer that should scare all of us. Now I lay me down to sleep. 
I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. No wonder our kids and grandkids have problems. You, you know Christ, you know Christ. Guess what? You're the bride. And guess what? That rapture, that catching up, happens before the first day of the tribulation. So guess what? We're going home. We're going to heaven. We're going to rejoice. We're going to enjoy that. What a great future that we have. But we're responsible to each other. Steady now. Steady. You have to tell. Don't you have to tell? In, in, in your, all your relationships, settle down. Settle down. We're going to be okay. We're going to be, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Why? Because we've read the end of the book. He wins. <laughs> Amazing. He wins. And when he wins, he's the groom. Jesus Christ is the groom. We're the bride. Guess what? You talk about happily ever after. Talk about having everything. So that's, that's the context of it. We, we, John Swigert says, these words have uttered, were uttered by a man standing in the gathering dusk in the Mount of Olives in the midst of a tiny band of forsaken men and looking out over a city where men were even at that moment his enemies were completing the plans for his arrest, illegal trials, and executions. When Jesus uttered these words by every human appearance, he was defeated. The powers of darkness were triumphant. The shadow of the cross was falling across his pathway. The crowds that once had followed him had long since gone. His friends were fearful and powerless, and one of them was even then set to betray him. Yet as he surrendered, surveyed rather the, the centuries, he saw the light that was yet to come, and without uncertainty in his words, in that hour of triumphant evil, and seeing human defeat, he declared, when the Son of Man comes in His glory, He will sit on His glorious throne, and before Him will be gathered the nations. None of us, the nations. Not, not Japan, China, United States, Great Britain, the nations literally there every individual from every nation that's still there will stand before this judgment not to be confused with a white throne judgment okay not this is all by itself it's the judgment of the nations and so we begin to let this sink in here jesus truly saved his best his bravest his boldest his most controversial, his most challenging, and contested prophetic parable for last. And I praise God for his clarity. Back in centuries gone by, I attended a place that's now called Clark Summit University. And I, I always be thankful for their little logo underneath that sign. We will teach you not what to think, but how to think biblically. I'll tell you what, that, that will set you free. 
absolutely set you free. Psalm 14, Romans 11, uh, Isaiah 49. But Zion said, the Lord has forsaken me. My Lord has forgotten me. Can a woman forget her nursing child that she should have no compassion on the son of her womb? Even those may forget, yet I will not forget you. He's speaking to Israel. Behold, I have engraved you on the palms of my hands, and your walls are continually before me. Nothing goes on in Israel. Talk about current events. Nothing goes on in Israel without God knowing it. And he knew it before the foundations of the earth. He has protected Israel the same way he protects his children. Before the foundations of the earth. You want to talk as long as old women talk about the weather and as long as old men talk about old women, whatever, you know, that Travis sings that. Forever and ever, amen. That is the God that we serve. That is the God. What if this happens? What if this happens? God just simply says, I got this. Trust me. I got this. Read what I've written to you. Read that love letter. I have got this. Fear, fear no one. Fear nothing. Only the awe and admiration of God. So he's here for the, for the um, transfiguration. He's there for the prayer, the betrayal. He's here for the, obviously, this Olivet Discourse. He, he, he left this earth after his resurrection, his ascension, and his second coming is going to be right here at the Mount of Olives. And when he sets his feet down, we'll be with him. When that horse, when he sets his feet down on the Mount of Olives, when we come back together with our groom for his firstborn, for his firstborn, that Mount of Olives is going to split east to west. It's going to go north to south. Then in the fall, you talk about the news people will be able to share with us the tectonic plates shifting. This is going to really shift this time. There's not going to be any small little crack like we might wind up with in the United States. So three groups, sheep, goats, and family. Sheep are by and large a docile, peaceful animal. Goats, not so much. They still, to this day, shepherd together goats and sheep in Israel. Still, in those, those Bedouin areas, they still do that. But they separate them when they drink, <laughs> when they eat, and when they sleep. Because sheep are peaceful and docile. They play well with others. Goats are bullies. They don't play well with others. And everyone who heard this Olivet Discourse and us as we paint ourselves and allow God to do that in the context, we should know the difference between a sheep and a goat. We should know that they're totally different animals. They are. And so as we do that, we understand that, that the right hand is that's a place of favor. Uh, that's, the, that's the believers. That, that we know that... The, that that's where we belong. Left hand is that of rejection and disfavor, and we have that as old as Genesis. So we know this, that every battle engages the every case preparation of God to learn to personally listen to others. Listen. I have to tell you that has been one of the hardest disciplines for me in life, but I will tell you this, it's the most rewarding. Because if we listen and don't interrupt 
individuals while they're talking, you interrupt them, you shut off the conversation. It's done. That doesn't work well. I'm sure none of you have ever experienced that in your life, so I'll just give you my experience there. That shuts down conversation in any area. But if we listen, we know where people are at. We know they're, where they're from. I have friends, hunting, fishing, golfing, life friends, who don't know Christ as their personal Savior. Why would anyone be so caustic? How could they do that? You listen. Where was God? When at 14 years old, my mother had me cut down my father who hung himself in the garage. Where was God when my wife of 35 years left her phone at our place up north, needed it, I had to drive from up north down to Birch Run, get her her phone so that she could be with her sister at a garage sale. Gave it to her only to get a call within seven minutes from the state police that your wife is deceased. She was southbound on 75 and someone was in the southbound lane driving north. Where was your God? See, my nation didn't go through the Holocaust. So I understand when Israel says that God is dead because of Dachau and Osowich. I understand where that's at. I don't agree with it. But I can understand. I can empathize. Where do you go? Listening to other people. <laughs> because the truth of the matter is, we're not all that much different. And the primary difference between us and those who don't know Christ is that, oh, we know Christ. Another great difference is, oh, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. Oh, just a couple itsy-bitsy little differences. I have to tell you, compared to many of my friends who just deny the whole thing as myths, I don't agree with them. But I understand, apart from the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God, why I would think that for those things. And, and so as, as these things happen, these Son of man in his glory, the separation of all the nations, the sheep and the goats going right and left. So when he does that, those brothers and sisters, believers from the tribulation, who heard the message of the 144,000, the two witnesses, and, and, and the, the gospel that came out through the evangelism there, and believe that concerning the message of Jesus Christ. These are people who are literally born from above these people on his right. Every battle engages us so that we learn to listen to others, but, but every battle engages the best case preparation of God to personally grow in personal relationship to others. 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 Some of those will know Christ. Some of those will not know Christ. Some of those will receive us with open arms. Some of those, like when I go to the university and uh, speak, they're getting fewer and fewer people that are going to the university to debate the God is dead and every other issue of our day. I begin with an apology to everyone. I said, I want to apologize to you for everything you've seen on YouTube, for everything you've seen posted and everything else by right-wing, ultra-conservative, hypocritical, self-righteous, homophobic people. I'm sorry. 
I'm also sorry for all the pastors that have all offended you, and the priests, and the rabbis, and the mullah. I said, I want to apologize for that, but I want to tell you something that you can take to the bank, because some of you appear to be in this room today ready for a fight, and that's because you're scared to death. What's going to happen next? What are they going to do? What if it touches my precious Bitcoin? What will I do if it touches my Bitcoin? What if the stock market falls? What if my candidate doesn't get elected? Take this right. Blah, 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 yada, yada, yada. See, one of the things knowing Christ does is we get to live above the circumstances. Because when I talk to people and say, how you doing? They'll say, well, pretty good under the circumstances. I'm not under the circumstances. I'm getting married to the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I've got a great future, and I would like to share with you how you can have that kind of future as well. I want you to know that. I want you to understand those things. So we, these personal relationships, the king's blessing, his inheritance, the king's family, where food, water, and shelter, strangers are welcomed, naked, clothed, sick, and in prison, that, that sounds like utopia. Why? Because people are doing their job. He's, and so he, he's saying to these people who are, who are survivors, but who when, trust me, Israel during the tribulation will be first and foremost again to persecute by their own families. Read the prophecies. By their own families. People are all worried about this nation getting this. Look, Israel, just like I am, I'm my own worst enemy. <laughs> Long before I fall prey to anything, I'll do myself in. <laughs> I'll, I'll, that, that, that's what happens. They reject the mark of the beast. The only way they will survive is through the loving care of the Gentiles. They survived the tribulation. The Great Tribulation, Armageddon. That's when we come back, obviously, with Jesus. He's riding a white horse. So they've changed a little bit because they were covered with blood, sweat, and tears, the abuse, the neglect, the horrific reality, the starvation, death. They look like the walking dead. It would be a big screen, bloody battle scenes like a Holocaust, like, like the Patriot and like, you know, all of, those, all of those different things that we see. But Revelation 7 and verse 9 through 17, this is the hope, the promise, the blessed assurance for Israel. After this I looked, and there were before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes, and they were holding palm branches in their hands. Then one of the elders asked me, these are the white robes. Who are they? Where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore, they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in the temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. Never again will they hunger. Never Again, will they thirst? The sun will not beat down on them, nor any scorching heat, for the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will lead them to the springs of living water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. That's my God. I don't know about your God, but that's my God. That's the God that settles all the accounts, 
all of them. That's the God who is faithful and loyal. Look how they have treated. Number one faith in Israel is atheism. Number one faith. 10% are practicing the historical Jewish faith. These are the people, when, when, they were, when they were hungry, when they were thirsty, when they were scared, when they were battered, when they were bloodied, there was a group that at risk of their own lives and livelihood took care of Israel. That's we had this little hang-up, you know, if you believe the Bible, if you bless, I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those who curse you. It, it just... It just mind-boggling. So they go to the right, and he said, and I want you to go to, to your inheritance that has been reserved from before time began. This is where you go. This is it. And they're going to be there with us during the millennial kingdom. And because we're married to the king of kings, we get to reign with him. We get to be with him. We got a great future. We've got, Israel's got a great future. Everyone has a great, because what does he say? They're there from every tribe and nation. Years, a few years ago now, um, someone in leadership came up with an idea, and I got credit for it. I said, oh, no, 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 no. This is the underlying arch at Crossroads Church. Every nation reaching every generation in every nation. We hold everybody responsible for having enough people there, their age, so they won't whine. There's nobody here my age. And it's great. As young people, I said, this is your church. My calling is your calling. We're just, I just happen to be vocational. You've got it much harder. You're bivocational. You've got, you got to do that, but we take those bys and we put them into one, so we, we begin to understand that. So... Every case, preparation of God to learn personally, to listen to others, to, to the best case, preparation of God, to personally grow in our personal relationships with others and do that. But finally, we look at every battle engages the worst case, preparation of God to care for each other, specifically those considered culturally the least of these, the least. You know who they are in our life. I know who they are prophetically here. I know that's Israel. The le you care for the least of these. But I also know who they are in my life, in the age of grace. They don't look like me, which is not a bad thing. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. They don't look like me. They don't walk like me. They don't talk like me. They don't worship like me. They don't pray like me. They, they do nothing. They are flat out weird and different. And we have next to nothing in common. Except Bud Wilkerson said years ago several things, but one of the things he said is that evangelism is nothing but one beggar showing another beggar where to find bread. I stand on the shoulders of the people who gave the gospel to me, who cared for me, who reached out to me. I, I, I have had this debt in, 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 with my relationship with God. I, I, 
I had this debt I could not pay. He paid a debt he did not owe. I stand on the shoulders of Christ. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I stand on, on, on their shoulder. So we, we begin to learn these. They, they came classifying. He said, listen, this other group, these goats, depart from me. You, you, were, you never did any of this. It's not that they were saved by their salvation. It's that my behavior teaches my beliefs. So whenever anyone says to people, you remember when your parents used to say to you, Act your age. I always thought to myself, I pretty much think I am. And I, I love this one. My dad was good for this. He would say, what were you thinking? Now, I never said it out loud because that was not wise in those days. But I thought to myself, I was pretty much thinking I was going to get away with it. That's what I was pretty much thinking. And I was pretty much thinking that you were not available to observe me. But here's the deal we got with this E-I-O-O-O God, this eternal, immutable, omnipotent, omnipresent, and omniscient. He knows it all. Oh, but I was busy. Remember the excuses parable? Oh, I did this to do. I bought a couple of yokes. Who in the world would buy farming cattle without checking them out? I bought some land. I got to go look it on. And another guy, he must have been re directly related from, to Adam because he threw his wife under the bus. He said, but I got married. I can't come. And, and God's just thinking, you're kidding me, right? Just like you think when you look into the eyes of your children and they give you some line and everything else. Why? What are you talking about? They look so innocent. They, they're so clever, aren't they? They learned that from their older brothers and sisters. And they inherit that from their parents and their grandparents, same bloodlines. They inherit. Why? These goats, so the, the sheep were shocked. And as much as you did it to the least of one of these, you did that to me. And the goats were shocked. Wait a minute, wait a minute. We did not see you. When did we see you and not feed you, not give you water, not give you clothing? When do, when do we not do that? This is, they're throwing the red flag, the protest flag. They want an instant replay. Let me tell you something that I don't want with God, an instant replay. I, did, I am so thankful that we will all be judged simultaneously when we get to heaven. I am so thankful that my life is not going to be up on the screen. It's going to be enough. And this has to be enough for us in every phase of life, including the judgment seat of Christ. It has to be enough that we know what we did and God knows what we did and no one else needs to know the rest of the story. You have to be okay with that. You, you have to be okay with that. So, so here it is, his classifying, his cutting, his confinement, the, the, the construction, and it's prepared. Go away and prepare. See, the place of righteousness for the, for the sheep had been prepared before the foundation of the earth. It's always been for eternity. It's been prepared. But notice here, because this is one of the great things that we get in, I get into apologetics in the, on the junior high and the high school and the, and the college campus now. How could you love a God and pledge your allegiance to a God who would, who would be so evil and so wicked and so harsh and so judgmental as to prepare 
a place where people can burn and torment and weeping and gnashing for all of eternity with no end. Notice the scripture says it was prepared for the devil and his angels. It was not prepared for us. See, this is the worst case scenario when someone rejects Jesus, when someone rejects Messiah for all of this time. No food, no drink, no... Why did they not do any of that? Because they were not redeemed. They were not redeemed. See, redeemed people live a redemptive life. Radically different. Well, you, you know, your, your heart goes out to all these things. So the, the, the battle is the Lord's, and he has entrusted us with every one. Every case, perfect case, worst case, protection. Psalm 121. He has entrusted us with the gospel, with those who have received the gospel, with those who reject the gospel. That's right. We're in that trust, going to all the world, preach the gospel. You, you, you know the old, the old statement that people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. We should be the leaders in that. And, and there are so many opportunities to do just exactly that. Least of these, my brothers and sisters, you have done it unto me. This young lady looks nothing like me. And I don't look like in anything like Jesus either until I do something about the orphans, the fatherless. Don't need to give you the statistics of how many fatherless homes there are in this country. And many of the opportunities that we have are for people who don't look like us. But they can't recognize us until we look like Jesus. And what did he say? Inasmuch as you've done it to the least of these, he looks nothing like me. And I look nothing like Jesus until that time and understand that. So the challenge is do something. Do something. Listen, live, learn, love, reach out to these individuals. Why? Because first of all, he told us to do that. Care for each other. Care for others. Minister to those who are of the household of faith. Minister to those who are not. Why? Because the only difference between us and everyone else is that we know Christ. I will not, when we get involved in Saginaw, one week, one street, I don't, I don't even listen to people who say, I, I'm, I said the police are there. They're, they're afraid we're going to get hurt. Just get into the city and do something. Just go do something. Reach out to people. That, that little extra, it takes so little. It, it takes so little extra to be Extraordinary. Whoa, what are you doing with that? Why are you here? What are you doing? 
for all of us, we have the opportunities. I go down and meet with the mayor and the, and the people who are trying to get drugs and guns off the streets. I don't think we should have guns and rifles and drugs on the street. Go figure. I, I kind of think that Jesus would like us to be safe. He would like us to play well to others. That's why we're sheep. The other ones are the goats. <laughs> Black Lives Matter. When, when, I, when I became with that in the early stages in Saginaw, we had the chief of police, we had the head of organizations, Black Lives Matter was there and everything, and the chief came up to me and he said, just out of curiosity, he said, you're sitting here in khaki shorts and a red pullover shirt and a red Titleist hat. What in the world are you doing here? I said, same thing you are, Chief. He said, you're doing the same thing I am? I said, yeah, just trying to keep the peace. See, I, I went to the rally because I think Jesus would have been there. Now, Jesus shows up at important meetings, whether he agreed with them or not. That's, that's the challenge that we have. That's, that's those opportunities. But as we do something, do you feel the world is broken? Do you feel the shadows deepen? But do you know that all the dark won't stop the light from getting through? Do you wish that you could see all things made new? We do. Is all creation groaning? Is a new creation coming? Is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst? Is it good that we remind ourselves of this. It is. I like it when Chris Tomlin is up there at the great big ticket up at Gaylord. We're all just starting to wave and everything else. But what about if there are already waves there? What if they already hate God? What if all they already deny God? There are people who are in Christ. There are people who are coming to Christ. There are people who are looking for Christ. See, I'm not responsible to redeem anyone. Had a gal introduced me to her husband. She said, this is the guy who saved me. And I said, uh, let me correct that. Okay, I was preaching that day. <laughs> I was speaking, but I did, I haven't, I've never saved anyone. We're not responsible to save anyone. We're responsible to go tell them. I like the old quote, go into all the world and preach the gospel, and if necessary, use words. We've been entrusted. We have been entrusted. Great opportunities. It, it's all in, in those little things, and we praise God for that.